Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Three the Pro Way is brought to you by that legendary play. From historic moments to triumphant victories, iconic plays are immortalized at thatlegendaryplay.com. What's up, family? This week on Three the Pro Way, we highlight Franklin, Tennessee native Maurice Patton. As a trailblazing journalist, Maurice shares stories of his 35 years of experience in covering high school, college, and even professional sports in the state of Tennessee, and how he maintains being relevant in an ever-changing profession. The 2021 Tennessee Sports Writers Association Hall of Famer shares his experiences of oftentimes being the only African-American writer within an organization and the importance of building relationships with people that has resulted in longevity in the profession of journalism. Maurice, also a 2021 National Media Sports Association Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year recipient, shares stories of growing up in Franklin and being in the first desegregated class of Johnson Elementary and having aspirations as a kid to play baseball. And finally, after some admitted struggles with his initial major at MTSU in accounting, finding his calling in journalism that has now led to his Hall of Fame career. Presently, you can find Maurice in his latest ventures as a sports editor for Main Street Mari in Columbia, Tennessee, and Main Street Sports Today Sports Talk Show. This is a trailblazing story you don't want to miss. All right, welcome to another episode of Three of the Pro. I am Dr. Kevin Dyson alongside Dr. Todd Campbell, Mr. Joey Kent. Today, we have an opportunity to talk to a gentleman who spent 35 years as a sports journalist dealing with high school, collegiate, and professional athletes. He currently is the sports editor at Main Street Mari in Columbia and is a co-host of his own sport um, podcast called Main Street Sports Today. Our guest a Franklin, Tennessee native, Mr. Maurice Patton. Hey, man. Oh, Pat, my guy. Hey, guys. I, I, I appreciate y'all having me on for a little bit. Kevin, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix it to where you'll be able to come to Columbia. It's Main Street Murray, not Main Street. <laughs> you know, we just talked to somebody about my West yeah. Coast accent, man. I, Sometimes yeah. this comes out real hard. The R's, I can't, I can't get rid of them. Well, he, I, I, I just want to fix that up for you so you'll be able to come down when the time comes. So, you know, Murray, yeah. yeah. Murray, Murray. Hey, man, I appreciate it. But one thing I, we talked about, you are, like you said, I'm a native Tennessean, but you're from Franklin, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Talk about growing up in Franklin, Tennessee. Well, um. You know, it it's odd. I don't get that question very often. And when I think about it, Kevin, growing up in Franklin, it wasn't a lot of the stories that you hear about a lot of folks growing up in the South in the 60s and 70s, coming of age in the 70s and 80s and that kind of thing. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of stress. There wasn't a whole lot of strife or, or you know, maybe I was just too naive to pick up on it. I don't know, but there, there were no horror stories or anything like that. You know, 
Both my parents are from here in town. Um, as, as we were talking off air a second ago, they they both went to Natchez High School before desegregation. I was um I was in the first kindergarten class in Franklin that was segregated. Hmm. And at the time, again, didn't realize that it's something that's been brought to my attention and has been a topic of discussion since, but at the time, wasn't any big deal. Hmm. So it, uh, and I guess I guess I'm kind of fortunate as far as that goes. What you What did you do growing up, man? Were you involved in sports? Like what What sports um, were you involved in? One as a, I, as a I was per, I was peripherally involved in sports <laughs> going, uh, because it didn't take me long to realize that my place wasn't on the field. You know, I I played some baseball growing yeah. up, but that yeah. was about it. But um, you know. I read a lot. I enjoyed reading, and and that kind of um, led into, you know, I was around sports. I just wasn't playing. I, um, you know, kept scorebooks, kept stats, that kind of thing, as far back as junior high school. And I guess it was all kind of building me to, toward this professional career that I found myself in. But like I said, I was I always loved sports, just wasn't meant to be in the midst of it from a playing standpoint but um you know grew up around a lot of athletes always enjoyed it enjoyed those guys and ladies you know but um i guess everything that i've done has kind of molded me toward the journalism track that i found myself on and i um love watching it love being around those folks and you know, we we all have to retire at some point. My retirement just came way earlier than a lot of other folks. <laughs> when did you pick up the pen? Yeah, to, to to write stories. You know, actually, we had a junior high school newspaper at Franklin Junior High School, the Rebel Yell, mm-hmm. and one of my history teachers started it up, and I started writing. Then there is a um, y'all have heard of John Mayer, John Mayer Builders. Mm-hmm. He he tells folks all the time that. I was the subject of his first or he was the subject of my first article at Franklin junior high school. He was um, teaching there and coaching wrestling. And, and I did a story on the Franklin junior high wrestling team and coach coach mayor. Who I yeah. still call him coach, but um, it, it goes as far back as junior high school for me. Is that where you fell in love with it, with the craft? I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I did it in junior high. I did it in high school. We had a newspaper there as well. Um, kind of got sidetracked, thought that I wanted to get into a business track. I majored in accounting at MTSU, couldn't graduate. Um, upper level classes, they're they're tough. I don't know if any of y'all took, I don't know if any of y'all took upper level accounting or not, but I, mean, it, I, I did when yeah. I, I tried it too. Yeah. So okay. I, I feel better then. But, and, and so um I, I I got out of that and started working part-time at the local newspaper over in Murfreesboro. Got my first full-time job back here in Franklin back in eighty seven, and I've been at it in some form or another ever since. Can I ask you, because we've had other um, journalists, if you will, on here, Mike Keith and the likes, mm-hmm. and they talk about, he talks about how he would practice, especially at a young age, you know, like watching people and calling a game in his head. Did you have some similar practice like that? I know you worked for the school, like the middle mm-hmm. school newspaper, the high school newspaper. Where, but when you go in as you were growing up, did you practice, if you will, your journalism? I don't, 
I don't know if I practiced it per se, but I do remember at a at a really young age, you know, I would um during the summers I had a little lawn mowing gig and and I would go and cut two or three yards on a Saturday morning and get home and get cleaned up and be in front of the TV in time. Y'all y'all probably don't remember this, but Sunday uh Saturday afternoon baseball, NBC would show a game of the week that came on at like one o'clock on Saturdays. And I would I would like draw up my little score sheets and I would keep score mm. of games on TV, that kind of thing. So just different stuff like that. But I just I just read a lot. I didn't really yeah. practice necessarily, but I did get to do a lot of writing. And, you know, sometime back, I got I got some of those copies of some of those high school newspapers. And man, that <laughs> stuff was rough, you know, <laughs> but um, but you got to start somewhere. Right. And. That, that was kind of my start to not just writing, but interviewing people, watching games and trying to get something out of it to try to come up with something to convey. So so one of the things for me, Mo, a, 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 as you know, coming to Franklin, like I came to Franklin in 2001 mm-hmm. and to see like like for me coming, you know, I'm from Kentucky, mm-hmm. but I had been in metro schools. And for me, Williamson County in in in, in general was just like different. Mm-hmm. Like black people didn't exist in, in Williamson County as far as I was concerned. So for me to come to Williamson County and see some of the things that I saw and, and knew the deficiencies and those type of things, but at the same time see the 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 guys who were there like yourself and and uh, other people who were doing great things. Walk me through like as a kid for you growing up in Williamson County. And then seeing Williamson County grow to the point like like when I came in 2000. Yeah. And how we changed that. Yeah. Because you kind of glossed over. You said yeah, you went yeah, yeah. to a segregated school in kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Integrated school. Oh, I, integrated. I missed. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. My, my kindergarten yeah, class was the first year was the first year of integration. I'm oh, sorry. Integration. No. OK. Yeah. That was the first year. Um. So um, and again, didn't realize it at the time. I mean, you're five years old. You right. you don't know, but um, you know, Todd. To your question, the the growth around here has been really stunning to watch from as a native. You know, mm-hmm. and so many people that I grew up with no longer live here in Franklin just because you know the the socioeconomics, the the financial situation. Basically, a lot of folks have moved you know, to Southern Williamson County, to Murray County, that kind of thing, just because this area, this county has changed so much along those lines. But um, it's it's really been kind of crazy to watch, you know, with, you know, the boom of Nashville and how it's kind of come this way and that kind of thing. It's it's um, it's tough to, you know, kind of get your arms around it as a native. So speak a little bit about like what you've seen as far as you being in Franklin and Franklin ain't Franklin like it used to be. No, no, not at all. Um, you know, just, um, areas. I mean, Todd, you were at independence. You're probably familiar with, with Natchez and the Natchez area where, where Natchez high school was. And, you know, I'll, I'll drive down that street now and just the, you know, for lack of a better word, the gentrification of it. I mean, you see people on on that street in that area that when I was growing up, 
wouldn't have come through there on a dare. You know, BG, Battleground Academy was right off of Natchez and, you know, people would kind of go out of their way to avoid the area back in that time. And it just was the way it was, whether that was deserved or not. That's just the way it was. Some people didn't go over there and, you know, um, there were probably other areas like that as well here in Franklin that, you know, a, a certain group thought they didn't need to be thought it wasn't good for them to be there. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent. So, and now for some of those, huh? What, you know, so, um, it's, um, it's, it's been a big change. It's been, you know, the, the change in, in terms of, just demographics here in this town have been yeah. really, really stunning to see just, just again, the way some of our population, I mean, again, Franklin and Centennial, the, the concentration of minorities at Centennial, as opposed to anywhere else in the County, that kind of just, just different things like that have really kind of been stunning, I guess, for lack of a better phrase to yeah. watch it develop. So, so for you, like mm-hmm. I, I guess that for you is it's, it's a big difference because you've seen the, like Franklin Franklin ain't no big city, but at the same time you've seen Tony Kemp, you've seen Garrison, um, I forget his name, but but you got those Matthews, ca- yeah Matthews, mm-hmm. you, got, you got Todd Campbell, you got Rashawn Golden, you got all these guys who come out of Williamson County who are like big name kids from a small town, but you've, so you, at the same time, you've seen kind of how things have blossomed and especially you as a reporter, how have you kind of changed what, like what people see of Williamson County? You know, it's crazy, Todd, when you bring it up like that, because we would have the occasional really, really good athlete come through here, but the concentration of them was never, what it's been right now. And they've never gone to the level that you're talking about of a Tony Kemp or Rashawn Gold and a um, Vic Wharton, guys like that who have gone on and played major roles in major college programs in numerous different sports. I mean, you talk about Garrison Matthews. This was the guy who everybody thought was going to be a great football player. And he was. And then he um playing for the Rockets, you know, and, and, I don't know that anybody ever thought that Franklin, Tennessee would produce an NBA player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just the the quality of athletes that have come through here. And I don't know if that's come with the growth. I don't know if those, I don't know if those folks have moved in here. I'm not sure when Tony and his family got here, but obviously his older brother Corey was a really good baseball player as well and um played some professional ball for some time. Um but just the, again, just the concentration of them, and they're everywhere. I mean, I remember when I graduated from high school, we had three public high schools in Williamson County. There was Franklin, there was Page, and there was Fairview. And now, now you look around, and there's what nine, ten, mm-hmm. and and they're all huge, mm-hmm. and they've all got fairly successful athletic programs, and and so. You know, when you get that many good kids coming through your doors, that the chances of some of them going on and being impactful 
at the next levels is is going to be pretty good. And it's kind of turned out that way. Hey, Maurice, uh, you talk about talent in Franklin, and I consider you, you know, exceptional talent of what you do. I ask this question a lot to just athletes in general, but it, I think it applies to you also. Like, when did you realize that you had a gift for what you do? And when did you realize, like, I can potentially make this a career or make yeah. money um, on writing about what you love, which is sports? Joey, that's a heck of a question. And, you know, uh, I don't know that there was a moment when I thought that, but you know, like I said, when I when I didn't graduate in accounting and I wasn't going to graduate in accounting and I've got a sister who's six years younger than me who was getting ready to go to school. So I had to come off the payroll. I had to figure something out, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I kind of fell into the journalism business as much as anything. But I guess when I was working at the Review Appeal here in Franklin in the late 80s and able to cover, you know, my high school alma mater and, and some of the other schools and some of the other athletes around here and that kind of thing. And I realized, and, you know, not to sound arrogant, but I realized that I was pretty good at it and, you know, kind of looked at some of the other people that were doing it around me and that kind of thing and realized that develop and improve and, and climb, I guess. We, we kind of jumped around a little bit um, and kind of fast-tracked your, your career and things. Mm-hmm. And we talked about when you had a gift, but as you donned the MTSU hat, and you talked yeah, about so you know, you know, KD, I, I figured that Greg Glass might watch this, yeah, and so I just wanted to be sure and represent. I know he's a big hey, Western fan. Okay, and- first of all, I played at Western, so we're not gonna we're not gonna do this. <laughs> That's what we're not gonna do. I didn't realize you played at Western, Todd. You know what? You know too. what, Maurice. Uh, go go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> and it's talk- all in love, man. It's all in love, Todd. <laughs> and, and talked about riding in junior high. You talked about riding in high school. You even mentioned, as, as Joey talked about, you know, realizing you had a, a potential, a, a mm-hmm. gift, if you will. You're pretty good at it. What was your college experience like? You said you went into being an accountant. Right. And I'm with you. I got to one of the math classes and I thought I was good at math until I didn't know what the heck you were talking about. And even my math tutor couldn't help me. I was like, you know, that's probably going to go a different route right now. Right. Well, just talk a little bit about that, that college experience, because MT is not what it is now. I'm assuming. No, no. It was probably super small back then. It was. It was about a third of the size probably that it is now. And it's it just like Franklin, it's kind of wild to go over there and walk around or drive around just mm-hmm. the, the way that campus has changed. But again, when I got over there, I transferred over there after my freshman year. I'd gone to school out in Jackson, Tennessee and um, at a small private school. Couldn't afford to go back. So here I come middle. But um, I took a coaching baseball class the second semester of my sophomore year with um, John Stanford, the baseball coach over there and was fairly sharp in it again, knew what to do, just couldn't do it. But um, he, he pointed me toward the sports information department there in hopes of me being his baseball media contact. I couldn't do that because I was an accounting major. I couldn't miss that much class. Turned out it wouldn't have mattered, but you know, um, (laughs) Got into sports information, networked there, you know, working game day crews and that kind of thing. One of the guys at the paper there one spring asked me, you know, what are you doing this summer? We could use somebody part time. 
mm. and went and started working there part time the, the summer before I was supposed to graduate. And that's what kind of set it all in motion collegiately for me. But, um, you know, again, first couple of years of accounting weren't a problem. But then those <laughs> junior and senior level classes are where they start separating the, the men from the boys and, and the women from the girls. And I was a boy. It was killing yeah. me. So um, it was tough. But, you know, I think I'm probably where I'm supposed to be. So yeah, I, I want to I don't want to gloss this over because Mike Keith was on here and he mm-hmm. talked about just being present, just being mm-hmm. available. Um, if they needed somebody to hold the cord at the basketball game, he was present. And he said, I kept coming back. We live in a society now of pop appeal culture, microwave culture, instant gratification, right? Everything's now. I need it now. I can't mm-hmm. wait my turn. But I hear people like yourself, uh, Mike Keith and, 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 and the likes. And paying your dues, right? That that level of stepping up in a career, having a passion. What would you say to this generation now, if you could, like talking to these kids? And and would you have done anything differently? I really wouldn't have. Um, and Mike, who Mike and I are both from here in Franklin, actually, I, we I, we've known each other pretty much that whole time, and um. And he's as good as it gets at what he does. Mm-hmm. And he really is a tribute to paying your dues. And that's the one thing that I would say to kids now. I mean, I, I specifically remember being so pissed off. I was at the SEC women's tournament in Nashville one year, and there was a kid fresh out of J school at Missouri who was pissed off because he was going to have to cover LSU's women in the NCAAs. First job out of college covering, you know, a potential national championship women's basketball team. And it wasn't what he wanted to be doing. And that kind of instant gratification, like you talk about, you got to be willing to do the stuff that you feel like might be beneath you Mm -hmm. to get yourself ready for the stuff that you feel like matters. Mm. You, You can't just walk in to that stuff. You know, Todd didn't just walk into a principal's job, you know, he, you, you've got to take the steps to get yourself ready for mm-hmm. that stuff. And, or else you, you're going to get into a situation where you wind up embarrassing yourself because you're not ready for it. Yep. My, my, my question to you is you've been in this business for 30 years and obviously, you know, you, you talk about race. You know, we, we talk about race on this show a lot. And mm-hmm. obviously with journalist, journalism in general, especially, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was just white dudes, white guys, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. And, and you're especially in sport, in, in sports, right? Yeah. So you're mm-hmm. stepping into this field um, and you're surrounded by that. And um, I guess my question is, did you feel like, more responsibility. Mm. Um, Great question. Like more responsibility to for for yourself, for your family, for the profession. How did you navigate those times, you know, when you first started, you know, 20, 30 years ago? Joey, that again, that's another great question, man. I'm I'm really appreciating your insight. Um at that time, like you said, there weren't a whole lot of African-American males covering sports. I, I, I specifically remember when I got the the UT gig back in 95, I covered them for two years. Um, 
That's and, when I met you. I met you yeah, the first time absolutely. back in '95. And 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 I'm not sure that a lot of people, be it our readers, be it the folks on the athletic staff at the University of Tennessee, heck, some of my coworkers, I'm not sure were ready for an African American covering at that time. What was the biggest beat sports wise at our newspaper? I had a lot of eyes on me yeah. and. Uh, I think a lot of them were kind of waiting for me to screw up, to be honest. And so, um, you know, there is, it it wasn't a conscious thought, but I knew, you know, you can't afford to screw up, literally. I mean, you've got to be on point. You've got to be present. You've got to do, you, you can't cut corners. And, you know, it, again, all of us being black guys of a certain age, just because we're paranoid doesn't mean folks aren't out to get us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you, you think it, but you don't want to let it be prevalent in your mind that, you know, this, this person won't deal with me. Why is that? Or this person doesn't return my phone calls or this, that, or the other thing. And so it's, um, and then that time more so, like you said, than now it's, it's, you know, it's you see more sure. representation now than you did in the mid nineties and that kind of thing. But I mean, it's um, it was an experience before I took over the UT beat. I specifically remember um, I was working on a high school football playoff preview, um, talking to a pretty prominent coach up in Knoxville. He was getting ready to come and play um, a state semifinal game down at Lincoln County and was talking to him about his team and he makes a comment of we'll be just fine if we can keep our guys in line. Mm-hmm. And, and so I made it a point to walk up and introduce myself to him after the, after the game, just so he realized who he said, what mm-hmm. he said too. And, you know, it's different things like that. And, and then when you don't feel like there's anybody that you can go and say anything to at your paper mm-hmm. about it. Right. What do you do? So who who are your mentors? Like, who did you I mean, because obviously those times you, you had to or maybe you didn't because Kevin and I and Ty and I, we talk about this all the time as black men, especially earlier in age. We didn't talk to other men or our friends about what was going on necessarily in our lives. We suffered kinda, in silence. Like We kind of bottled yeah. all this stuff in with other people kind of going through similar things, but we just didn't talk about it. Who are some of the people that you confided in? Who were your mentors back then that you can say, man, this is going on. How should I handle this? Or and, did and, you not talk to anybody? And and the answer was nobody. I didn't have anybody. I mean, yeah. there wasn't another black person doing what I was doing in this area. You know, we had a couple of other guys that came that came and went at the Tennessee. And there was a guy down at the Memphis paper that we'd hang out. We'd cover things at the same time at the you know, state tournament and different things like that when we'd run into each other and we'd hang out and we'd kind of bounce things off of each other. But for the most part, in the formative years of my career, there wasn't an opportunity for that. And so a lot of it did kind of stay bottled up, like you said, and you just kind of, you know, flew by the seat of your pants and tried to do the best you could without you're cussing anybody out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, most people, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that because 
one, you know, I, I, I didn't realize how much of a trailblazer you actually were because I came here. I was playing pro ball when we met um, and things of that nature. And at that time, I'm consumed with myself. I'm trying to, just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm not realizing I'm talking to a black reporter, which when I think about it, my local media at University of Utah didn't have that. So this technically considered my local media, you would have been the first that mm-hmm. I spoke to in regards in that regard. Right. And I never really thought of you being a trailblazer. And and you mentioned something a minute ago about feeling like you have to be the top of your game all the time because they're always looking for a chink in the armor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I feel that daily. I'm sure Todd does. I'm sure Joey does. I felt that like I got to be better than my counterparts. I can't drop the ball. I can't fumble the ball because they're waiting for me to fall. That's that's a a natural thing for a lot of black. And it's real though, but that's real as a minority going into a a minority type situation. Right. Yeah. And I I just want to, I don't want to gloss this over as we're playing this in February and it's black history month and all that kind of stuff. I I think you said it as you're one of a few, but really one of one in a lot of respects. Um, And I can't think anybody, well, I can think a few now, um, mm-hmm. but at that time, even when I was here in 98, when I've been here a long time, but I mean, back then it was just you. Yeah. So I don't want to necessarily overlook the fact that you were a trailblazer in a lot of respect, whether you knew it at the time, even cared at the time, or even right now reflecting on it, realizing that is in essence what you were doing. So you're right. You had to be good to last 35 years in, in that world in that space like you did yeah you're right and and you know you're right kevin in 98 you know i wasn't thinking about blazing the trail i was thinking about you know trying to keep a roof over my eight and my three-year-old's head <laughs> yeah right that, that, that's that's the, that that was the biggest thing there and so you know being afraid that I wasn't sure that I could do anything else other than what I was doing professionally at that time. So I, I better do whatever I could do to hang on to this. And so, um, you know, you swallow a lot Mm. and, and you just try to stay on point as best you can. Like I said, it was, but, um, yeah, I, I never really thought about the trailblazer aspect of it as I was doing it, you know, um, I was inducted into the Tennessee Sports Writers Hall of Fame two years ago. I'm the first black sports writer inducted into that. Congratulations. Wow. Congratulations. And, and, and yeah, you know, I see you. I see you. Well, you know, it's one of those things. And y'all, again, y'all can all appreciate it. You don't want to make a whole lot of it, but it probably deserves to have a whole lot made of it. Yeah. You man. know, so it's um, that you're kind of caught betwixt and between there to some degree. It's, it's a big deal, but you don't want it to be a big deal. And you'd like to see things get to the point where it's not a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Mo, we, we talked the other day, I was on your show hmm? and uh, we talked, we, this is funny because back in 2013, when I got hired my first administrative job and I hired uh, David Martin as my football mm-hmm. coach, we talked about this then about the right. lack of African-American coaches and why I went the route I did. And we spoke on that. Um, and then we spoke the other day about Rand Carthon mm-hmm. mm. and he's the first ever in this franchise history in over 60 years of football to run an organization in that, in that capacity. 
Right. We, you asked me my thoughts on that. And now I'm turning the tide on you <laughs> as we're learning more about you and being a trailblazer. And you see something like that in 2023 in a franchise. And there's still several franchises in the National Football League alone. I'm, you know, I don't know about the other other major sports um, franchises or organizations. I'm just talking about National Football League. And you, you hear that 60 something years of an organization. He's the first. I'm flipping that question to you. What was going through your mind and what do you still see that and be like, man, that's a dang shame. That's the first after all these years. Or are you like, good for him? And I'm sure we all are. Like, good for him. I'm glad to see a brother get an opportunity. Now we hope just don't drop the ball. Like we all do, like, man, you gotta do well because we know he has to be that much better than everybody else. So what was your thoughts going through that? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. You know, it's it's a shame that it is a big deal, mm-hmm. but it is. It's it's a big deal for you know for a franchise that was based in Houston and is now in Nashville. We are in we're they were in Texas. They're in the South. You know I don't I don't care how you want to gloss it over. As you say, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I am, um, you know, I salute Amy Adams Strunk for being willing to make that move in this climate, even though in 2023 it shouldn't be a big deal. We all know it is. Yeah. You know, and I feel like from everything that we've heard about Rand Carthon, he's not going to drop the ball. Yeah. And and he's been preparing for this for a long time. I don't think there is a anyone more prepared for it from the fact that his dad played in the league, coached in the league. He knows what it takes to be successful at what he's doing. He's been in some really successful situations. Um and he's built for this. And one of the one of the issues, and Kevin, you can speak to this probably, Joey, maybe even as well. You know, you see in the NFL so often, you know, that nepotism yeah. benefiting certain people. Oh. It's nice to finally see the child of a former NFL player who looks like us get some benefit of that mm-hmm. man i agree i mean that's a good point i i kind of i, I think we all kind of bounce around it because you're so i mean you you have you like a wealth of knowledge so i want to ask you this um obviously writing is writing talent is talent if you're good you're good but when did you realize like things are kind of changing like the digital space and how you're how people are consuming your information or other information. When did you start seeing that, and and how did you adapt to that? Because you had to, like, you have to adapt to this this space now. If you don't, you're going to be left behind. Absolutely, and you know, um, one of the um, one of the moments that I realized it was when I got laid off at the Tennessean back in 2014. Mm-hmm. That was when you know the internet was you know, coming on and everything was all about how do we get eyes on our website? It wasn't about covering the best story. It was getting the most clicks. And that's a, that was a paradigm that, you know, as an, an older journalist was kind of tough to deal with really. And, you know, I, I felt like then, and I still feel like if you write, good stuff if you put quality content mm-hmm. in front of people they'll read it mm-hmm. and and i don't know that how they read it changes that i don't know if going from print 
to a website, to digital, how you make it available to them. I don't know that that changes. Quality still needs to be quality. I mean, you read stories that are three and four paragraphs and that kind of thing, and they'll get you the clicks, but they'll also get, okay, well, I read it that time, but I won't read it next time. You know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. You've got to be able to keep people coming back to whatever site or whatever platform it is that you're writing for, I think. And the best way to do that is to do good work. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Lowe, we had him on. He kind of spoke to that same sentiment. I know you know him, you know, Chris Lowe for a lot of years as well. Mm -hmm. And he kind of speak to that and being relevant and finding his Nick in this space. And he absolutely, he has a thing with ESPN, right. And he, he writes for them. He writes for the sec and he Mm -hmm. speaks to it and, and talk about reinventing yourself as you, we talked about it before, now you even have a podcast yourself, and that in itself is a new space, if you will. And I know you did something before. You and Brad Hopkins had something some years ago as well, um, And because that is a newer form. This What we're doing right now is a newer form of journalism. Like We're all now have become journalists, right, because mm-hmm. of the fact that we can get a mic and, and, and things of that nature and interview people and tell their story, and that is change the game a lot of people are now journalists in a way where they don't necessarily go to school in a in a way and do it and we talked about earlier they don't go the way you did before they didn't pay their dues they didn't take but, much but that pops up the question then like how do you feel about the new yeah. age so you know you when we talk about right. it like yeah how do you because you've had to reinvent yeah, you, yourself but the, i it, think that's an adaptation thing though. yeah he's putting it, it in is fun, but yeah but, People like us, like we, like we feel we're like old. we old. pick up some mics and just, yeah. hey, we'll figure it out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've all, all played ball. Yeah, we, I not have been principal. We've had to interview people. Yeah, so, you know, some some of this we does come natural. We yeah. had shows. Yeah. Yeah. We still yeah. have a show, but, but we're not journalists. We're just going to throw it out to everybody <laughs> listening. Joey, to your question though, it 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 can be bothersome sometimes when you see folks occupying the same space that you occupy professionally as as journalists that that haven't necessarily paid the dues but you know you you kind of have to come back to the you can't knock the hustle necessarily i mean folks that are willing to get after it and you know maybe close that gap on the the fact that they aren't trained journalists necessarily but they're willing to put themselves out there and, and do the work, you got to respect it. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think, you know, what we do and what you do, I, I think it's all about listening. I think that's one of the, the key elements of, of writing. Yeah. Interviewing, just listening, just listening to what the person is saying and then kind of building upon that. Like, is that one of the things that, that you're really good at just kind of listening, taking it all in and then interpreting what that person said. One of my big things, Joey, is I don't even like to think of them as interviews. I would yeah. prefer to think of them as conversations. I yeah. think people take a different, a different demeanor when you say you'd like to interview them. I just want to talk to you. Yeah, let's talk. And, 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 and that's I, why I like the podcast. And, and I'll attest to that, I'll, especially with Mo. Like, like me and Maurice, we've known each other forever, and I've I've leaked this a lot of stuff to him. Uh, 
Yeah, y'all got me, by the way. Yeah, I leaked a lot of stuff too. But 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 my thing is this: one of the things about me being a black man in Williamson County at a high school where we were bringing in a lot of, we were doing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was oh, it was great to be able to call Maurice and say, "Hey, hey, uh, don't put this in the paper today," but. <laughs> but. I'm probably going to hire Kevin Dyson as my head coach <laughs> next week. Uh, don't put this in the paper today, but Daryl Hammond's coming on. Yeah. As, so, so, so mm-hmm. to be able to have that guy that you can call and he, you know he's going to keep that for you. And, well, and it didn't get in the paper today, did it, Todd? No, no it didn't. But you never, <laughs> you didn't betray and, trust, though. And, That's I, I and I'll go back, I'll go back even to when my son was playing at Franklin. Like I would tell Maurice, I was like, hey, Todd is, you know, he's going to be an Army All-American. And Maurice would be there when they they make the presentation and those kind of things. So that was that was that's the great thing about having someone on your on your side who knew who you could trust, because sometimes sometimes reporters don't they don't do what you what you know, they don't say what they what they supposed to say. I, I yeah. think I think what you're speaking to, Todd, is is about relationships. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Like, um, yeah. you know, I just spoke about like listening, but the next one is, uh, it's probably higher than that. Just relationships yeah. man, and trust. And, um, for you to be in this business, as long as you been in it and still doing it well, you had to build some relationships and trust. Right. And absolutely. But you also and had especially to be as a trailblazer, right. But you also had to yeah. be honest to yourself. Right. And you had to write facts too. How do you, yeah. How do you, how did you balance that? I, I, that's a that's a Can I add crazy a that balance. Too? And it's a Not, certain level of loyalty that has to go with that too. Well, I'm gonna add that too because you are a black men writing about black white, men. white and no white folks too. Well, too, too. And too. so if you have to write a tough story, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, man, I'm just thinking. Man, now you you all of y'all are all over it. it, and and Kevin, that's where the relationships come in though, mm-hmm. because if you have treated people well. There. On the front end, you can write the tough story when you need to. Yeah. And they know you're going to be fair with them, mm-hmm. even yeah. through the tough stories. And that's that's all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do was be fair with people. But, you know, to build those relationships, though, you have to you have to call people. You have to talk to people. You have to show up and be in situations with people when you're not writing anything where you're not looking to write anything you're just talking you're present yeah yeah exactly you know and they know you know because todd you know you've had some journalists that you've dealt with that you didn't hear from unless something was going bad something was going wrong something was up definitely and and as soon as that number showed up on your phone, it's like, here we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? But the answer it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I didn't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. And sometimes you have to make that tough phone call and hope somebody answers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and hope that they realize that you're going to be as fair with them as you can. Yeah. But, um, but that all comes back to the relationships and, and, you know, you can't build relationships with everybody mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate, but you know, you can make, you can try. I, I don't want you to name names on this. 
Um, mm-hmm. If you want to, you, you can. But what was what was the toughest story that you had to write from an aspect of you had a really good relationship with this person or the situation? The like what what was one of the toughest ones? And I, you know, if you want to, you know, you want to. I'm, 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 this man. I'm not. I'm guy. not going to name he names. Just his yeah. his <laughs> yeah. So he's. Uh, yeah, we just rapping. I just. I'm, I'm no, just, no, I'm not going to name names. Yeah, sure. I, 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 I don't in, want you to. If you, if you no, know. But, but the guy sitting in the middle will recognize it. There was a area football coach who got popped in a sting uh, for being somewhere he shouldn't have been. Yeah. Mm. And I had to write that story. Yeah. And you, uh, obviously, you had a, a really good relationship with that individual. Had a super relationship with that individual. And, and, so and those to, are hard stories. Those are hard no, stories. Those are, I mean, those are career changing stories. I mean, yeah. I've, I've I've been I've been that guy, so I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Hey Mo, I I spoke. It was uh, I think it was right after the Museum Miracle. Maybe I think it was that year. And you remember Jeff Legwell, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it, so if Jeff, for whatever reason, when he was writing for Sport News, he used to get on me. It was so bad every every week he was writing about something. I I was the cause of why whatever, and it was so bad. I remember somebody rose like, "Dang, what did you do to him?" Like it was it was obviously my teammates were asking me like. Why is he on you? So anyway, mm-hmm. we went out. We, we had it out. I, I told Tony Tony uh, Wiley. I said, "Man, he can't talk to me. He can he can get quotes from somebody else, but he him don't come talk to me." Jeff came to me. He asked me what was up, and I told him my side of it. And I said, "I, I can talk to the media, but I don't have to talk to you. You know, you whatever." So right. we, we squashed it. We overcame. We became friends after the fact. Well, he asked me to come speak to his journalism class. He was doing something. He had a bunch of people: TSU, Belmont, Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. and they came to the Titans facility. And we had a conversation and I, I, I asked that class this question. There, there comes a time you got to write t- t- uh, a tough story and about somebody. But I want you to understand that face of that story. We, they have families. I have families. I got people. My mom reads that story. My mom or my uncle, whoever is reading mm-hmm. this that you're writing. Are you going to write that story? And all of them raise their hand. Yeah, you're going to write the story. You got to get the story right. I said, now flip that. Now that's, that's your mom, your dad. Your cousin, whoever, are you gonna write that story? It got a little quiet. Mm-hmm. And see, that's why I said that is where the ethics come in or the morals come in. You gotta make a decision. Is this story worth the is it for my job or am I gonna affect this relationship? And I know there's a fine line between the two. That's a tough one, man. That's a tough yeah. one. It yeah. really is. And and you know, going back to the story that I was talking about, it took a long time before. I could be in his presence. Mm. And eventually, I think he realized, one, I probably went easier on him than anybody else would have with the story. And two, I was doing a job that I would not have had to do had that not occurred. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, it's an unfortunate part of the business that I'm in, that sometimes you do have to write tough stories. You don't, I started to say nobody wants to write them. I I won't go that far, but the overwhelming majority of us in this business don't want to write those stories. Mm -hmm. And, um, but at the same time, I knew that if I didn't write it, somebody else would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're right. And and, and I'll say this, I'm just going to brag on my dude for a second. (laughs) 
Mopad has done like y'all y'all don't understand and I and I tell the listeners this. You don't understand the like in Williamson County, especially in Franklin, he has come so far as far as covering black people, but making sure we're seen and, and we're we're people understand what we do. Because yeah, you 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 hear about like you're at Franklin High School, you hear about Kevin Anglin, you hear about Darren Henry, but do you hear about Fred Lane? Do you hear about all these other guys? Mm-hmm. These are the guys that people like Maurice Padden covers and make sure that people don't forget about those guys. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he's at Tennessee. You hear about a Joy Kent. You hear about those kind of things. So, you know, that's why, I, I, man, I'm, I'm I'm always bragging on Mo because, you know, when we were at Independence, he made sure that everybody knew that Kevin Dyson and all of us were, were there. So it, it's not always an easy thing because a lot of people don't want to hear about what we're doing. <laughs> um they want to hear about what you know Trent Dilfer and all those guys are doing. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's, it's great. I, and I appreciate it. I, yeah. Mo knows I appreciate. It. Well, and I'm gonna say this, Mo, and, and to piggyback off of what Joey said earlier about relationships, what Todd is referencing is I don't have a whole lot of reporters' phone numbers and on my phone, and let alone pick up when the first time they call me. A lot of times later go to voicemail. Did I let it go to voicemail when you called me the other day? You did not. I picked up. You know why? And that's because of a relationship that we've built over the years of trust. And I knew it, you weren't just calling me just out to be asking me something that was going to be outside the realm of my comfort comfortableness. You were it was going to be a respectful conversation. It was like, hey, can you cover my show? And I said, absolutely. You know what I mean? Although and I would have said no if he had this damn MTSU shirt. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. God, I didn't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I was wanting to mess with glass, but I didn't know that I was messing with you too. <laughs> but I'm just saying, man, it, that speaks to what Joey mentioned earlier, what Ty was just referencing, the relationships that you are willing to have and be humbled in that. And I'm just saying over the years that I've been around you, I, I just want to recognize that because I'm not just saying it because you're on here because you can tell just by how I respond. Like I said, you called, I picked up. It wasn't like, let me see what, let me go to go voicemail right quick and see what they want. You know, <laughs> the thing about it, man, you, you've been in this industry for a long time. Like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, you, you're still a young man. Like, what do you want to do with this, man? Like, <laughs> I appreciate that young man. Comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's a good thing. I, good thing I got this cap on. You can't see all this gray hair. <laughs> but you understand what I'm asking though. Like, what, what do you want to, like, what do you what do you see yourself doing in 10 years? Do you see yourself still in this business and still working and still writing and still putting out good content? You know, that's a good question. And, you know, the the way this industry has changed and continues to change. It's a hard question to answer. I hope yeah. that I'm yeah. still in this business. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've been co-hosting this sports talk show for about two, two and a half years now. It's something that I had wanted to do for a long time, had a couple of opportunities earlier in my career and conflict of interest kind of got me, but I'm really enjoying being able to, you know, kind of broaden my horizon sports wise and talk about a lot of different stuff and not just focus on any one level or any one team or anything like that. So really enjoying that. And and I've always been able to talk. So you know, I could see myself doing this for another 
10 years under the right circumstances, hopefully, you know, health wise, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm able to do that. And, you know, hopefully people will still want to read and listen to, you know, what I've got to say. Hey, tell us, tell us again, what your, what your, what your, um, your show is. It's main street sports today. We air daily from two to three 30. You can find us on, um, Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, and all of our shows are archived. So if you can't listen live, you can go back and check them out later on. And Chris Yao and I, we, we our, our catch line is from preps to pros. We do high school, college, pro stuff, a lot of Braves. So if you're into baseball. <laughs> no Reds. Guys. Um, we just want to be, we want to have fun and we want the people listening to have fun. So. Hey Mo, we, man, this has been fun, man. I I got to know you a lot more, man, other than just a journalist and, and the time that we spent. And man, I appreciate you jumping on with us. So we're going to hop on to the end there before we let you go for your evening and do a little bit of this or that. So you kind of mentioned it. You were inducted a couple of years ago into the Tennessee sports Riot hall of fame. He did it. He did it low key. He low key. You he know, low key did it because <laughs> he was like, "I'm not. I'm not really. Yeah. I don't really want y'all. You know. Yeah. And and I, I think I said it. You and maybe I didn't, but I'm going to mention it now. You was also inducted to your high school's your alma mater's uh, sports hall of fame. You can only take one with you. <laughs> <laughs> Which one you giving up? Oh, oh. Which one am I giving up if I could only have one? Uh-huh. Man, you're gonna you're gonna cause me to be disrespectful to somebody. That's not good. That's a disrespectful this or that too. That yeah, that's he but he does that sometimes. Yeah, it's like it's you're, gonna, you're gonna disrespect somebody or something. And yeah, yeah. And and, and I, I gotta preface this by saying Kevin is making me do this. Right. So, <laughs> so, um I think that being recognized by your peers in your profession, in your industry really means something. And so my induction into the Tennessee sports writers hall of fame is the one that I would hang on to if I had to give one up. But as I said, a couple of Friday nights ago, there's nothing like being recognized at home either. And so Mm -hmm. I, You'd have to fight me to take either one of them. How's that? That's a good ass answer. That's bro. a good answer, Mo. <laughs> that's that's the writer that came out in him. You know, he found the right word. He did a purpose. Yeah. So here's here's my man, and 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 you know, I, boy, I, I, I have a lot of different questions and answers and whatever, whatever. But here's my thing. I'm gonna make it simple for you. All right. If you could go. No, I'm not gonna make that simple because I was gonna do an MTSU WKU thing. I'm not gonna do that. I'm just too simple. So here's the thing: if if you could cover, if you could cover at an event in Williamson County that would display the best athletes to ever come out of Williamson County, or interview some some guys at the Super Bowl, which one would you do? Oh, I would. Um, it would be the Williamson County guys, and and the Williamson County athletes, because there would be a lot of ladies there as well. You know, uh, I, being able to shine a light on these folks right here, because everybody's going to be at the Super Bowl. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, not not everybody's going to be right here. So that that would be it. Maurice, okay. uh, they they know I I don't I do I rarely do this or that questions. I do just I just curious. He's I, basically just going to ask you a damn question because I, I run out I run out of questions during the course. He's going to say something like, "If you um no I'm not going to do that." Okay, yeah, kind of. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly what I'm gonna do. Um, you covered a lot of athletes. Um, we we talked about Franklin, Winslow County a lot, but you also co- covered college professional. Like, who is like if you were to say who is the best athlete that you covered, and you had a somewhat relationship with them, and you wrote about them. Who would you say that athlete is? Maurice, if you say Joy Kent, I'm I'm way off. Okay, on I was gonna I was gonna shut it down if the, you say that. But who 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 would you say? Who would you say is that is that guy or girl? You know, if 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 I had to tell you the best athlete I ever covered, and I would probably keep it to the high school realm, but and I, I don't know I don't necessarily know how great a relationship we had. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, watching Jalen Ramsey at Brentwood Academy was a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 good people. Mm-hmm. I, I I saw that dude nearly jump out the pit in the long <laughs> jump over Vanderbilt. <laughs> the pit can hold him. <laughs> it it almost didn't, man. And I mean, yeah. Did you know? Did, like, like, did you know? Like, he's he's different. Yeah, you knew he was different. You know, you don't necessarily know how far. Somebody can take it, Joey, because you know how that goes. Sure. Yeah. Some guys, some guys uh-huh. get to the college level, and you knew Jalen was special. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, Mo. Hey, thank you so much for spending some time with us, man. We, we, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm sure these gentlemen feel the same. Yes. It was fun uh, getting to know you, learning more about your background, your story, finding out how much of a trailblazer you actually have been specifically in this area of middle Tennessee, Williamson County, Metro Nashville. Now I'm going to say this Maury, Is that right? Murray. 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 There you go. Murray. Murray. We're going to get you. Going to get me. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, man. I hope this, you enjoyed Hey, we appreciate you, boy. This is. Hey, I appreciate y'all having me. Thank you so much. All right, All right Mo. Appreciate you, bro. Have yeah. a good night, man. All right, man. All right, y'all too. Yeah. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more.